You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, Side Notes Edition. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing our favorite movies of the year that was 2022. Happy New Year's, fellows, and uh, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, happy holidays to all y'all and everyone listening. Santa brought you a bunch of good stuff, I assume. Yeah, some some nice scotch, a, a stand mixer. It's good. Nice. Mostly I got I got chocolate to to make me porky and gross (laughs) i'm pretty sure i've gained five pounds in the last week so we're we're doing pretty good nobody's on a diet over the holidays that just no no. that would that would just be a horrendous mistake for you to do such a thing yep also we don't we don't body shame ourselves any time of the year if you want to pick out on chocolate that's your prerogative we are we are three doughy white guys talking about (laughs) movies on the internet (laughs) <laughs> this is a body safe Weird. zone, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, we're movies specifically today, movies plural, movies the best of 2022. Uh, we, we've got quite a list cooked up for you. We were really trying to decide how to do this in, in a way that wasn't us just listing the movies we watched, uh, but also uh, try to get movies we... Uh, each other had watched, because uh, in past years we've done it where no one watched the other hosts favorite movies of the year so we we made an effort to watch as many as we can yeah (laughs) yeah it really brings the conversation to a crawl and it's like i'll just have to take your word for it sounds pretty good um so an effort was made to watch each other's film so we've got um uh sort of a top four list for you uh one that we all agreed uh was was made made our lists one way or another uh a film each of us are really excited to talk about and then if there's time some some honorable mentions so let's say we just get right to it uh, we'll start, let's, we'll start with mine because sure. I'm talking, um, uh, what, the one, one of the movies I, I really wanted you all to see, uh, definitely one of my top favorite movies of the year was called RRR, uh, Rise, Roar, Revolt, uh, but also stands for the, uh, three guys who made it, uh, N.T. Rama Rao Jr. and Ram Sharan, uh, and the director and writer S.S. Uh, Rajamuli. So that's where all the R's come from. Yeah, apparently it was a dream team of uh, creatives behind this movie. And uh, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. Um, I I was like telling people at work about it. I got you guys to watch it before we recorded this. Um, I I was thinking like what metrics I sort of look for in a movie that's going to make my best of list. So obviously like competently made interesting story that's what all what i expect from a movie that like gets a pass uh, but for movies that really stick with me uh i, I realize I'm, I'm looking for something i've never seen before uh an enthusiasm for the project that comes through either in the craftsmanship or the performances or even the hype around it uh and is it offering some kind of impactful resonance emotional resonance political mindful resonance uh this one definitely had the first two, maybe not so much in the emotional resonance. It was a pretty broad movie, but even its broadness, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the broadness of the movie was part of its charm, and I very rarely like really broad movies. <laughs> um, and it absolutely delivered on something I'd never seen and uh, an enthusiasm uh, for the project by the people making it. Um, you guys just saw it. Greg, you're like, you've seen this in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, like you say, it's. Uh, it's definitely something that I haven't seen before, and and certainly um, an action movie done in a three-hour epic that doesn't leave me thinking like this is way too long. You know, that's that's an achievement in mm-hmm. and of itself, in my opinion. Um, the the sheer joy with which it's filmed, I think that really comes through. Um, yeah. in just about every aspect of it and i i think it's i i think it's a testament to bollywood cinema that like 
um, there's all these disparate elements. Like this is like this is like an action movie, but also like some high drama and some really like um, vicious scenes, you know. And and that's all wrapped up in a package that also has like a killer dance number and uh you know a, a you know a couple CGI. wonderful songs. Yeah, like yeah, it's like there's so much uh really interesting and fun going on with it that yeah, it's it's hard not to like this movie. I, I, I would probably say personally I'm I may have not loved it as much as everyone else seemed to. And I think that might be partly because I am, I, I did just watch it and I've gone through like almost a year of people hyping it up. So like, uh, you know, like there's like this sort of expectation for my doors to be blown off. Uh, and maybe that necessarily didn't happen, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to, you know, uh, cop to the fact that if I had watched it earlier when everyone else was um, getting up to it, I might've not felt that way. Uh, yeah, for those who might not know, this is a film from India where it uh, sort of mythologizes a, a event in Indian history uh, and pits uh, two heroes sort of against each other and then with each other from different corners of, of India, which one of the things I had, had learned reading about this is like, there you said Bollywood cinema, and it's not necessarily a Bollywood movie. There's actually a number of disparate little like nooks and crannies of filmmaking in India as diverse as the country itself, all mm-hmm. the different regions kind of have their own shtick when it comes to making movies. And part of what made this not just an international hit, but a uh, hit in India is it really kind of united the East and the West. Each hero kind of represents uh, some of the dichotomy. Uh, and again, I don't know all of this. I glean from reading about this movie. I am <laughs> by no means a that's fair uh, um, in, I- Indian historian or, or, <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I am. I am fairly ignorant when it comes to uh, um, Indian cinema. Like I've I've seen a few um, Bollywood films here and there, but um, I, I, like I'm not a musical guy, so it's generally not my my cup of tea. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like when I when I watch certain foreign films, when I don't have the requisite knowledge of the culture, like I find it a little difficult to be critical of it. You know, because I'm worried, like, I, you know, I'm going to criticize something that's just, like, makes me, <laughs> you know, makes me be ignorant, you know, I, I would, I, yeah, so there's, I, I'm much more comfortable in other types of, like, I'm, I'm more comfortable in, like, Japanese cinema and Korean cinema, because I just, I know more about those cultures than I do uh, uh, India. Uh, it's interesting you say uh, that about knowing the cultural context around it, because I found that was actually one of the things that I liked about this movie. Um, was kind of not knowing any of the meta text around it, other than I guess like I did know that these were the three biggest names in Indian cinema working together. But like, you know, it's such a big bombastic movie. Uh, I'd compare it to Top Gun Maverick, which I also made sure I watched just so I could make this comparison. And the thing I found distracting about Top Gun Maverick that was not a problem I had with this was I couldn't help but think about all the meta text around Top Gun Maverick, like, you know Tom Cruise and his weird Scientology nonsense. <laughs> the fact that it's like military propaganda. The fact that it's cashing in on a nostalgia cycle for a movie from the '80s, and we love movies from the '80s. Like that made it really hard to get fully invested in Top Gun Maverick. Whereas this, I'm just like, these guys seem like they're having fun. I don't know what's going on over here, but this seems like a party, right? Like, because- like crashing a party where you don't know all the drama. You don't know who's sleeping with who and who's beefing with who. Yeah. It's funny you say that because like uh as I was watching how uh villainous all the, the British people were in this movie and and I was like and I mentioned to Aaron, I said, This must have been one hell of a propaganda film in, in India. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fair enough. I mean, uh colonizers don't get any uh passes as far as i'm concerned so yeah the movie that i compared this to while i was watching it was i couldn't get out of my head how much this reminded me of the film red cliff uh which came out in 2008 2009 and was a big deal it was john woo doing a historical epic uh about this great famous battle in chinese history um, it has just a huge cast. It's, uh, it's a th- lengthy three hour epic as well. 
Uh, in fact, it might even be longer. I, I don't recall the exact runtime off the top of my head. But uh, the point is that it also features this like mythologized history where there are these larger than life characters doing superhuman things. Um, and it's just rad to watch. And you can tell that everybody, as you both said, is just having a great time doing it. And I like I couldn't help but compare the two in the best possible way. If you like RRR, go and seek out Red Cliff if you've never seen it. It is also just a glorious spectacle and worth checking out. Sweet. Yeah, just every every inch of this movie is not just like brimming with enthusiasm, but like polish. Like there's all the conversation about the the Marvel movies lately kind of looking like shit because Disney isn't paying the animators well enough. I have no doubt everyone who worked on uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know global politics enough. I'm thinking <laughs> about the Qatar World Cup Stadium, but I was about to say something. You know, I have to assume everyone working on this movie got paid fairly, <laughs> but that's probably not true. Um, capitalism is exploitive. I just mean like it it comes through. It looks like no expense was spared. I guess, in making sure it looked slick as hell. I don't know if everyone got their fair share uh, cut of those expenses, but um, yeah, it just looks really slick. Like the animal CGI, it makes a point off the topping, like no animals were used in this movie, let alone hurt. And then you just watch a guy wrestle a completely lifelike tiger. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the CGI looked slick as hell. The the every Every aspect of the production just looked brilliant. Um, and it was really like nothing else I, I had ever seen. So, um, this movie takes every opportunity it has to go as hard as it can for three minutes and I love it for it. Um, and it's just, uh, it's a, it's a pleaser. It's a people pleaser. Oh yeah. 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 Like Greg, I had heard about this movie, uh, much earlier in the year and had just not gotten a chance to get around to watching it. Cause three hours is, is a commitment. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, finally, I'm glad I finally got a chance to watch it before the end of the year. I'm I'm very glad I got to see it. Yeah, that's my that's my recommendation. Who's next? Go ahead, Scott. Uh, sure. So um, mine wasn't uh, a wide theatrical release. It released on streaming, and it is Prey. Uh, that's from late October of this year. It was directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Uh, written by Patrick Asen, Dan Trachtenberg, and Jim Thomas, based on the 1987 film Predator. It is the second good Predator movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, maybe a little unfair to Predator 2, which is okay. But yeah. like, there hasn't been a really good Predator movie since really the original. And this one is very good. Um, setting it... Uh, in indigenous North America in the past, um, having the predator like be this almost like force of nature, this spirit that these, uh, that these indigenous people are going up against having them use essentially the same tactics that Arnold Schwarzenegger used in the original predator, which were very, uh, low tech tactics to ultimately beat this thing. Like absolutely tracked for me, the use of an entirely indigenous cast, um, like it's it's so good it's so good it's a really good movie and it's a really yeah. good predator movie and that to me is an accomplishment because predator has proven to be not the easiest franchise to make a good movie <laughs> they made mm-hmm. a bunch of bad ones yeah. yeah yeah especially when they tried to combine them with aliens and then they got yeah. real bad real fast <laughs> real bad real fast uh, this one's great. If you're a fan of the original 87 movie and you haven't watched Prey yet, treat yourself. I would even say if you're, even if you're not, my my partner Amanda had not seen Predator. And I'm like, I think you'll be fine. I gave her the, the Coles notes on Predator. <laughs> and I'm like, you'll, here's what you need to know. You know, had a great time with it. She loved it as well. I don't disagree. So, this would actually yeah. be a good jumping on point to that franchise. If you've you never seen the original completely one, standalone. you could go into this movie blind, have a blast, and then go watch the original. You wouldn't miss anything. Dan Trachtenberg is is kind of one of my favorite directors right now, and he he caught he may have been on everyone's radar since he since his Portal short. I don't know if you remember that uh, years and years and years ago. Um, then he did uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is one of my all time mm-hmm. favorite movies. Solid film, uh, and yeah, and he you know again just uh, knocks it out of the out of the park here. Um, 
you know everything that Scott said is, is true, and I just yeah I don't know I I just I just appreciate a an action movie um, that takes its time with its setups and payoffs um, and even a few bait and switches here and there with this one yep. um, that like those they're very easy things to do in an action movie, and it feels like in modern cinema most. Films don't seem to bother with that anymore, which is kind of frustrating. But it's it's the it's the thing that makes your movie good, and <laughs> you got to pay attention to those details. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, kudos as well to Amber Mid Thunder for absolutely carrying this film. Like yep. she's mm-hmm. great in it and deserves a, a big shout out. I think Predator did a pretty good job too. He was he was working hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, he doesn't get as much screen time, but he makes use of it. He, he uh. definitely does. I wouldn't say he quite steals the show, but he he's yeah. definitely in there. <laughs> Still, still got it after all these years, <laughs> old, old predator. Um, yeah, that one was a was a treat as well. Uh, Greg, what do you got? Okay, so uh, my pick for my top of the year was All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, this was released in October of twenty twenty two. The director is Edward Berger. Also written by Edward Berger and a couple other people based on um, the novel, which I assume that uh, everyone's somewhat familiar with. I have not. I've not read the novel. I don't know if you folks have. Yeah, it was a big, big dad energy book for years. <laughs> that was, um, And I always assumed it was like just like some boring war stuff. Like, hey, they went and they did the war and then they won. They did it. They did war. Good for them. I didn't realize it is a book about the horrible nightmare that is war. Um, which does make me wonder why so many old guy, old white guys who you think would have a hard on for war would love it so much. Weirdly, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there's a period during Donald Trump's presidency because he doesn't read books. He never, he does, he never read a book in his life. He's never written the book <laughs> he wrote. Um, people will be like, well, what are you reading right now? And there was like a three month stretch where he's like, all quiet on the Western Front. It was just his go to answer. He's like, don't ask, don't ask me about anything. Just it was this one. <laughs> I don't know what that's related to in terms of our conversation, but I always just think it's a funny detail that it was just his go-to, like, well, uh, the, the book we've all read. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> you've you've put me in the position of having something in common with Donald Trump in that I also have <laughs> read All Quiet. I mean, I like fun. KFC, too. Like, it's all, you know. <laughs> uh, so, admittedly, I had some reservations about selecting uh, this one for my top um, World War One film is, is, like, my best of the year because I mean, first of all, period pieces are like this quintessential Oscar bait. So I see what you're up to Netflix. <laughs> I know what you're doing. You, you bought this guy. You, you feel like it's going to make you a bunch of awards and it may well do. Secondly, in a year full of like positive steps forward in representation for Hollywood, we just talked about prey, for example. Uh, I can think of no whiter premise than a bunch of powerful countries full of rich dickheads killing each other for utterly no reason, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, I was surprised we were rooting for the Germans. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What an interesting angle to be, uh, to be taking. On. And yet like, uh, that's entirely the point of all quiet on the Western front. It's, it's, it's masterfully crafted, uh, a film about uh, the futility and senselessness of, of war against the backdrop of perhaps the most senseless war in modern history. Um, everything about this movie is like hauntingly beautiful, uh, from the photography to the score. Uh, in, in fact, like the score might be the most effective yeah. <laughs> use of like three notes I've ever heard. Like you hear it first as like this terrifying electric dirge and it has this modern quality about it that like makes it sound out of place. But in the context of the film, this is perfect because you're meant to feel uneasy as like these young men are marching off willingly to war, unaware of the horrors that await. I, if I, if I may, I think the thing that worked about this, the sound for that, like you said, it's very modern. Yeah. And I feel like that. And because it was just three modern synthesizer notes, it's just to remind you, be like, we've got hindsight, you know, what's coming. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got hindsight, you know, <laughs> like you live a hundred years after this happened, you know, what's about to happen. <laughs> I, I loved it though. It's, it's so good. Like and and those three notes get used even for even throughout the film with like like when there's moments of relief or when there's moments of hope and yeah, it's just incredible. It also happens to have like my favorite tank scene of all time, second only to Children of Men. Uh, like mm-hmm. there's this moment where 
uh, the German company you're following through the film like breaks through the French lines and like there's kind of this momentary feeling of like success. And then the rumble of the tank starts. And like the sound design in this scene is just it's so good. It makes it because it's so frightening. And when you and then you see the tanks coming at you and they just like this these massive angular beasts appear out of like a literal fog of war and then all hell breaks loose. Um, yeah, so just it's a film that like kept me thinking about it for days after I had watched it. And like ultimately I just like I couldn't I just had to have it sit as my number one just because it it stuck with me so much. Yeah, it was incredibly affecting. It was deeply, deeply nihilistic and bleak in a way that like uh, I hope I get to talk briefly about this other movie, Mad God, in my in when we you know honorable mentions. Um, but that movie really got hyped as this like nihilistic nightmare. Um, it's it's a a Disney movie compared to All Quiet in the Western Front. There's like a glee, <laughs> there's a gleeful artistry to the uh, gross macabre nature of Mad God, um, whereas All Quiet on the Western Front is just like raw, cold. Like the whole movie feels like wearing wet boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like unpleasant, and you just have to sit in it and deal with it. Yeah, and relentless, right <clears throat> to the very end. Yeah, to the point where you're just like you get so frustrated with with even the main characters that you're like, well, I'll just you just all go fucking die then, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, I haven't seen this movie yet, and you guys are making a hard hard pitch for it. Let me tell you, I definitely want to watch. Just an absolutely bleak war movie. <laughs> it's so grim. It's like, and it's just like in the same way that RRR has like four or five really epic over the top sequences where you're like, wow, I can't believe we just went through that. We watched a guy wrestle a tiger in the same movie. We watched two guys swing on a rope and catch a kid out of a burning lake. Great. This is like, oh, you know how we just watched guys like fuck with a tank close up? Well, now we're going to watch two guys have a knife fight in a hole. Now we're going to watch a a trench collapse. Yeah. Like it's just got these big moments of like dread, like horror movie dread. Like it it really some stuff that you you chalk up to the same kind of feeling that like a saw movie would be going for where you're like, can you imagine being in such a precarious situation yeah. as having to like saw off your own leg? And it's like, yeah, but here's like when that happened in history and you're like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, much like with, um, we were talking about, um, setups and payoffs and things like that in, in, in prey, but like those, the tiny details in this movie also just like, had me thinking about it quite a bit afterwards. Like there's, there's a, there's a moment where, um, the company, I, I think they, they, they steal like a, a goose or something like, or like they, mm-hmm. they end up, they end up having, having meat for the first time in, in ages. And the company is like basically, you know, having a moment of celebration. And the next shot after this little cele- celebration is the sun, peering through this old dead craggy tree and it's just like the the tree makes kind of like a circle around the sun so like there's this moment of hope surrounded by death and like that one frame could even be um sort of considered like a bit of foreshadowing for what happens to the the main character towards the end of the film so like that little all those little details really made it for me sweet yeah, highly recommend uh, all all three of these these films. Um, we're uh, we're obviously gonna, there was one movie though that we all agreed was our favorite. Um, we made all of our lists, so we, we're just gonna be like we're gonna talk about that one specifically, uh, and that was everything, everywhere, all at once, which we will discuss after we hear from our friends at the Alberta Podcast Network. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it's easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing you're helping give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. 
Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking best of the year 2022, and honestly, the best movie of the year, at least one of the best, according to all three of us, was everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, Holy shit. What a, <laughs> what a movie. Like I said off the top, the three things I look for in a movie are something I've never seen before, enthusiasm for the project, and is there some kind of emotional or thoughtful resonance, a takeaway, a theme. This one definitely this movie, has all three. All three. Uh, cried. I don't know. Did you when first first watch on this? Did you guys cry? Yeah, there were a couple tears. I don't remember. Maybe. Yeah. Nita definitely I cried. cried. I had I had a couple uh, a couple tears in my eyes. Uh, yeah. If uh, if you haven't seen this movie, quit sleep and go see it. But for those that might not have seen it, um, it was uh, it's a film about a family who owns a laundromat they do a lot of laundry they do a lot of taxes uh and then one day uh the the matriarch of the family is thrust into a multiversal adventure to save uh every universe from the corruption uh, of an evil entity but really it's not about that at all it's about reconciling your own life path and and making the most of every opportunity um and so i, I kind of love the bait and switch uh it plays with that like like she's literally got to answer the call to the hero's journey, and then in the end, it's like it's not really about stopping evil; it's about like stopping evil <laughs> that surrounds us all every day. Yeah, to reject not, nihilism, not, reject yeah, suicide, not getting into nihilism. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's an anti-nihilistic movie. It's a movie about kindness, and that is something that is so lacking today. Um, yeah. That it's just nice to see it enshrined in a big film. Mm-hmm. And a big movie that's just like brimming with ideas and concepts and jokes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny and touching in equal measure. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, I, I realized why I asked about the, the crying thing. I, I cry laughed and then I sad cried. <laughs> like I, I, the, 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 the butthole scene had me in stitches in the theater and I was in tears laughing. And then by the end of the movie, I was just in regular tears. Um, yeah, uh, incredible, incredible work. Of course, directed by Daniels, uh, Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Uh, written by Daniels, starring Michelle Yeoh, uh, Stephanie Sue, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Ki Hui Kwan. Uh, and of course, the legendary James Hong. Of course, as well. Yeah, what a return to film for Ki Hui Kwan. That's some meta text that I can get behind. The like, oh man, that guy, he's doing it again. Yeah, yeah no, he specifically uh, left acting for a long time, retired from it because he felt pigeonholed in the type of roles that were available to him because there wasn't a large amount of work for uh, an actor, for an Asian actor like him. And he mm. didn't want to just be playing basically short round in data for the rest of his life. And- this movie drew him back because it was it was big and it was different and it gave him an opportunity to show that he has something to offer and wow yeah and that's true for a lot of the cast too Michelle Yeoh went on uh the press junket for this movie and talked about how she was enthusiastically behind this film because it spoke to her and that's just like that's that's great that's huge i love when uh, when an actor feels that passionately, uh, bleh, I've got myself tongue-tied. Yeah, it feels that passionately about the the project they're a part of. The the, the thing they're making isn't yeah. just a paycheck or the best way to make a paycheck. Yeah, but like a piece of art they can't wait to put in the world. Exactly, and like you said, it's that enthusiasm shining through on the film, and. Yeah. Like for the for the entire cast from top to bottom is firing on all cylinders in this movie. The direction is fantastic. The cinematography is great. The sound design is wonderful. The musical score is great. Like it's just the, the, so the good. The premise and the narrative execution. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, yeah. And just the, the creativity uh, just off the charts. Yeah. Off Everything the charts. everywhere all at once had the misfortune of coming out at the same time that Disney was starting to get into the multiverse and it came out at the same in the same year in the same breath practically as the new doctor strange film and it's a shame because the doctor strange film was the bigger movie it had the the bigger release it had the bigger uh uh media push behind it 
and everything everywhere all at once is a head and shoulders better movie and it's not even close and yeah. that's it's a shame that more people saw the doctor strange film and that's not I mean, to say I, the doctor strange film is bad yeah yeah i guess it's a shame that more people saw that than this but like I think it came out at the perfect time because it it did actually it, it I saw it before I saw Doctor Strange and I saw them both in theaters. Other than Into the Spider Verse, this movie really just was like, hey, we are gonna do the like anyone. <laughs> it kind of embarrassed the MCU by showing up doing the best possible use of the concept of the multiverse, and now. Marvel has to spend another decade <laughs> doing all their multiverse nonsense when they fucking nailed it and won this year. Yeah. Um, it like like much like Blanc spoiling the puzzle in Glass Onion. They just sort of walked in and ruined it for everyone and then walked out. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you wanna if if you wanna compare it to like one of the superhero films, like Into the Spider Verse is probably the closest because at least. Into the Spider-Verse is creative and fun and use the concept of the multiverse to have fun. Um, a lot of these other movies have not. Um, I I may stand alone as saying that like... No, I think... Yeah. A, a spider, the, the new Spider-Man, whatever it was, No Way Home. Is that the one? Yep. Uh, I get them confused now because they all run to one singular movie. But I count it as kind of a disappointment. Like, I guess it was fun seeing those old characters uh, together, but uh, it's not a particularly good movie in my mind. Um, or a good use of the multiverse, like you said. No, it's not like it's, yeah, it's like it's it's specifically, uh, you know, it felt like such a product because it was just like these these two giant corporate entities trying to fit their own versions of their own IP into one film and make it work somehow. And yeah, I started to feel gross about it. Um, so yeah, like watching something as endlessly creative as everything everywhere all at once um, and as thoughtful and, um, you know, um, having something meaningful to say about the human condition, uh, you know, it, like there's like Scott says, there's absolutely no comparison um, you know, if you're going to watch a multiverse movie, this is absolutely the one you should be watching. Yeah. If you're going to watch an A24 movie from this year, this is the one to like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably not even close. So we all agree everything everywhere all at once is a great film. We've all brought mm. some of our other favorite movies to the. Oh, on, on I, one more thought with everything everywhere all at once. Sorry. It was a That's beautiful okay. segue. Like I had to ask. Have y'all seen Swiss Army Man, the other have, work yeah. by Daniels? I actually haven't, but I've heard it's quite good. It's good, and you can see the threads. It's a it's a real you can see the the work they're doing, seeds of everything everywhere all at once in Swiss Army Man of just like we are gonna take an extremely absurd premise, be silly about it for an hour, and then just gut punch you with emotion. Mm -hmm. um, in a way that's extremely satisfying. And you're like, oh, that's where it was going this whole time. Uh, so if you like everything ever all at once, I, I really do recommend look up Swiss Army Man. Don't let anything you've heard about it, not, not necessarily turn you off, but set your expectations, right? Like Daniel Radcliffe is a farting corpse. You're like, what? But also like this movie had butt plug kung fu and movie of the year so you, you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to daniels i i feel like if if swiss army man army man was like their first salvo of this sort of like absurdist uh thoughtful film then everything everywhere all at once is their mastery of it right yeah like, I, I i definitely feel like this their second effort was a much better film but yeah they're both oh, they're sure. both totally interesting and worth watching now Speaking of other movies that you might consider watching, <laughs> we all agreed that Everything Everywhere All at Once is is probably the best movie of the year. We all also gave you our pitches for things that we individually thought were really good. But I mean, there were other movies that came out this year that we liked. Guys, do you have any also rands that you'd like to recommend right now? I literally watched Decision to Leave last night uh, in preparation for this podcast and, I, and I, I'm pretty sure if I had more time to process this one uh, it would likely be my number one film in the year I I, I love Park Chan-wook 
Um, mm-hmm. Old is one of the best movies ever made, period. Uh, or Old Boy, I should say. Yeah, I was going to be like, old. Old, <laughs> old, is, old, is, old is a movie that we're going to be doing for this pon- podcast at some point. I guarantee it. Old Boy, no. Um, uh, but he's like a master on a completely different level. And like, it, like in this movie... He's breaking all sorts of film conventions to the point where you start to lose faith and then suddenly everything just starts falling into place. Uh, uh, there's so much thought going into every deal, every detail of decision to leave that I feel like I, I wouldn't have enough time in my lifetime to study it. You know, uh, it's it's awesome. Um, definitely uh, check it out. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that one. Uh, also a movie that I just recently watched, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Um Probably not as good as Knives Out, but still very good. And uh, I kind of made sure to watch it before we recorded because I was like, there's a non-zero chance it'll be my best movie of the year. It didn't quite beat out Prey, I think. Um, I mean, other than everything, everywhere all at once, naturally. Mm -hmm, Sure, Uh, Didn't quite beat out Prey, but still very, very good. It just released on streaming, uh, written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Uh... Got us again a star-studded cast: Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr. All a great ensemble um, doing another like Agatha Christie-esque murder mystery. This time on an island involving a, a reclusive billionaire. Um, it's just a delight, um, and I absolutely recommend it. Even if it didn't quite hit the top for me, it was still very, very good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one as well. It, it, I, I, on one hand, I feel like Ryan Johnson can't top Knives Out, but on the other hand, he is a bona fide mystery guy. Um, Brick, I probably this is like the third time I've talked about this movie on this <laughs> podcast. I've, I've possibly brought it up before too. It was also my Brick, first introduction to him. Absolute masterpiece. It's done like a crime noir. The the, the script is noir movie, but it's performed by teenagers in a high school yep. in the mid 2000s. It's, it's like right down to talking like, Hey Mac, you get the dame. You got to get the, Hey, at one point, mm-hmm. like at one point, the detective character who is played by Joseph Gordon Levitt gets called into the vice principal's office and he gets chewed out. Like he's being chewed out by the chief of police. Like it's <laughs> perfect. It is a pitch perfect <laughs> yeah. noir film. Um, and this, yeah, so I, and this I, is just I a be- great mystery. Yeah. I believe we are going to get more great Knives Out mysteries from Ryan Johnson. If he didn't already have a third great mystery movie in his back pocket, I'd be like, let's not try to make, you know, Benoit Blanc into a, you know, whoever the Agatha Christie guy is or the murder she wrote lady. Like, yeah, your famous detective type guy. I wouldn't believe he could do it. But because of Brick, I'm like, no, let's have a hundred knives out mystery movies. My, my one complaint with the movie, and this is an absolute quibble is that I wish that it was called glass onion, a Benoit Blanc mystery, and that they had retroactively called the first movie knives out a Benoit Blanc mystery. That is my only quibble with the movie. I I think it's, I think it's interesting. Recently, uh, Ryan Johnson came out and said that he does. He was frustrated that, that he had to call it, a knives out mystery. He just wanted it to be called Glass Onion. Um, you know, I, I, I guess you know he feels like the movie should be able to stand alone. And, and I would agree with him. I think that um, that's a failure on Netflix's part not to have confidence in the audience yeah. to know uh, the the character is connected or, yeah. or whatever. And and maybe yeah. it doesn't really need to. But I I think what's really interesting about that is that. He says he doesn't didn't like that it was called a knives out mystery, and yet the beginning of the movie feels really um how I want to put this um <laughs> IP. <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because like there's a, there's this whole thing where there's a bunch of like celebrity cameos, and the way that Benoit Blanc is reintroduced. Um, really feels like a blockbustery IP type way of bringing him back in into the fold. Yeah, he um, literally says I'm the best detective. Yeah. So I'm the world's greatest detective. <laughs> so that kind of like I don't know, that I I think that initially I, while it was funny and and enjoyable, um it sort of like put me on my heels a little bit. Um 
because I was ex- I was I was expecting something that felt a little bit more Knives Out. Where um, I don't know, Blind Benoit Block's kind of like more of like felt like more of a, sec- a secondary character in that film, right? Um, and so, and you know to the point where like sometimes it just feels like he was along for the ride and wasn't really solving a whole lot, you know. And it, uh, like I I don't know, it it's it's pretty good. Um, I did enjoy myself. I feel like it's the perfect movie to come out now when Elon Musk is, you know, going through his like <laughs> Twitter meltdown and destroying his companies, including Tesla, which uh, apparently they're they're suggesting like he might be headed for a margin call. So yay, <laughs> death to billionaires! Um, you know, it, it's just um, it, it, I just feel like it just missed the mark just yeah. a bit. Um, and if it was a little bit, if it was handled as a bit more of its own standalone thing, I think it would have been better. That, yeah. Again, though, that might wanna... be partly the fault of Netflix really wanting to, f- to like franchise it, to sequel it yep. Yep. and not let it be its own thing. So I'm yep. not certain I'm willing to blame Ryan Johnson for that entirely, but it was still yep. very good. Yeah, to oh, yeah. to speak to the 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 name the knives out mystery. So someone had said something earlier about like just trust the audience to figure it out. It's called prey. It's not called prey. A predator adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> we figured it out. We figured out it was related. <laughs> Liam, what's uh, what's your uh, your runner up? My runner up. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, just the wildest film I saw this year. Maybe even more so than uh, RRR, but <clears throat> holy, holy hell, uh, Mad God! Um, you can find this one on Shutter. I had the uh, luxury of of seeing it at the Metro Cinema. Um, this is a uh, sort of a not 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 a swan song. What's the magnum opus? Is the word I'm looking for? The magnum opus of a practical effects wizard named Phil Tippett worked on Jurassic Park, worked on Star Wars, just. King of the stop motion special effects in all the biggest blockbusters you've ever seen has spent a decade plus laboring away on this thing. It is a almost entirely dialogueless journey of a little figure descending into hell, experiencing all sorts of hellish nightmarish scenarios. Um, and the whole thing ends up just sort of being even though there's no dialogue, even though there's not even really a story, the takeaway is crystal clear that the world, the universe, reality is cruel, it is pointless, uh, it is uh, unfair, it is very painful, uh, and yet you kind of have to just go through it and try to get a little bit farther than the last guy um, because there's nothing else, and it's just a cycle. It's just a cycle of pain and cruelty and getting a little bit farther, like a fractal. Like if you think about a fractal expanding, but just that fractal is pain and suffering and pointlessness, but it is still an expanding fractal. It um, is, from the sounds of it, in many ways, the opposite of everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> it is. Uh, and and like I said, I compared it to All Quiet on the Western Front. The, the thing that makes its nihilism different than the nihilism in All Quiet on the Western Front is the just absolute grotesque beauty of the puppets and the animation and all the visuals. Um, the person I went and saw it with, uh, love me to death, my buddy Pete, he left. He's like, this looks truly like a nightmare. Like a lot of stuff claims to have like dream logic or, or, you know, this looks like a, people use that as like a fun descriptor. Truly the part. And when Pete left, I was like, yeah, no, I get it. This, this looks this looks like a thing you'd see in a nightmare, like p- people with weird proportions just having horrible experiences in a liminal void for no reason. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's a trip, but the the takeaway is kind of affirming and just visually it's a feast. So don't let any sort of like screenshots you might see be like, "Ooh, it's too icky for me. It's it's a beautiful piece of art. In the same way that any anyone who uses grotesque imagery to make their art is still making something beautiful, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. So, Mad God. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, after having gone through my list of twenty twenty two movies, um, I was going through like the bests and the worsts and stuff like that, and like really like 
my worst list was like still full of movies that were pretty okay. Like there was a lot mm-hmm. of really good movies. This I really didn't watch a lot of bad movies in 2022, which is kind of surprising. The worst one I watched was Morbius for this stupid yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, there was a movie called After Yang that got a lot of love that I absolutely loved the world building in and then very little else. Yeah. In fact, I would have probably quit watching it if there weren't these like it it just cre- it just does this great job of like showing you this near future kind of like cyberpunk, not dystopia, but definitely not utopia. Um, but you don't see any of that. It's not the main focus. It's this family grieving. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't really get into the family grieving stuff, um, but I was absolutely captivated by that. So that was probably the second worst movie I watched, which it's I'm funny, sure some It's funny you say that you would have given up on it. I did give up on it. I watched about halfway through. I got, I, I got interrupted, and then I never went back to it. So I don't know. So it, was, many, it just didn't hold my interest for whatever reason. So many people were... were giving it praise and I'm like, am I crazy? Am I like an idiot who missed something? I'm very glad you also couldn't get into it. So Yeah, the um, uh the worst movie I saw by far was Morbius as well. Yeah, also yeah. for this podcast. <laughs> Everything else was like middling or better. Uh for stuff that came out this year, like uh probably the weakest other two movies I watched were Hocus Pocus 2, which was fine. And The Man from Toronto, uh mm. which was fine. Like the, neither of them was bad by any means, but they were both kind of middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. I watched uh, I watched Uncharted, which was like I wasn't it wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible. It was like straight down the middle. It was kind of it reminded me of uh, the Tomb Raider remake. Um, you know, it was just like could have been could have been better, could have been worse. Totally fine. And yeah, uh, what else did I I, I also watched moonfall and that was probably one of the only other ones Ooh. that like landed in in the bad category um but i i was glad that i watched it because it's the perfect movie for i have some notes where it traffics mm. in like some pretty interesting ideas and goes places you don't expect but it's still executed terribly <laughs> so so it would be the perfect movie for this podcast uh movie that surprised me because it had no business being as good as it was, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, we got to move on. We'll be at this all day, but I want to talk about Chippendale Rescue Rangers. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> what a goofy movie. Uh, it, it surprised me at how good it was, because I went in yeah. to it thinking this is going to be awful, and I was pleasantly surprised. And there's another movie, yeah, where just the creative ideas and enthusiasm for what they're doing shines through, even though it's kind of a dumb Disney movie. Yeah. And a definitely like by the numbers <clears throat> cop mystery. Yeah. It is, it, it is very much a spiritual sequel to who framed Roger rabbit. If it's not necessarily yeah. on paper, a direct yeah. sequel of who framed Roger rabbit. Um, so obviously lots of movies this year really tickled us uh, as did our listeners. Thank you to everyone who commented with your thoughts for favorite movies of the year. Uh, Nathan Martin says everything everywhere all at once notch uh, Top Gun Maverick the Woman King and Prey were all some that I enjoyed Ooh, the I haven't Woman seen King's the Woman King good. yet yeah it's I haven't worth seen it, it yet. Yep. it's yeah. good oh yeah yeah I would definitely check it out as soon as you can yeah I was when we tried to Amanda and I definitely looked at showtimes and then never quite made it to if you if you enjoyed uh, colonizers getting their comeuppance in uh, RRR you will definitely enjoy it in the woman gang (laughs) how did y'all feel about Top Gun Maverick if you saw it I I think that um, the the way that it's the way that it was filmed and the action sequences uh, were beyond incredible um like it's just i've never seen a movie that really felt like it was putting me into the action quite like top gun maverick uh it is exceptional in that sense um the rest of it is uh whatever yeah (laughs) there's not much else to it there's there's literally like there's literally like a love interest thing that is so tacked on uh it, you know it like the character doesn't even need to be there 
um the emotional resonance of the movie needs yeah, like it needs all... work and yeah it's fine um it, it's it's a good thing that those that they spent uh thousands of hours filming the action because it made the movie yeah yeah i'm actually worried that i missed out on it because i didn't see it like in imax or mm. in even a movie theater uh, and if I do eventually get around to watching it, it's just going to be on the TV. And from what I understand, I have done myself a disservice. But uh, I watched yeah. it on the TV, and and the action, everything Greg said about the action, still still tracks, yeah. even with it. Definitely, you know, I mean, you got kids to put to bed, but like I turned up the volume a little more on it than I do normally on a movie. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, no, it still it still holds up. But yeah, the the everything between everything not in the cockpit of a plane is forgettable (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely andrew craig says top gun maverick bullet train violent night i don't generally watch a lot of drama serious stuff these were the most entertaining movies i saw this oh andrew you need to get out and see everywhere uh everything everywhere all at once if you're looking for uh for entertaining movies i mean there is some drama and serious stuff in there but do yourself a favor if you liked bullet train and violent night you're gonna like Everything, everywhere, all at once. Michael Senchuk says, didn't see a lot of adult films this year. Uh, we we probably all saw some adult films this year, yeah. though, that we're not going <laughs> to mention on this podcast. Yeah, that's my other podcast. <laughs> Ew, can you imagine? Ew, podcast about that is... <laughs> no, the weird, the weird thing would be not just podcasting about that, but doing a podcast where you punch up pornographic films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they spent too long on the butt I wanted more top stuff the plot on this was real weak I didn't get the emotional resonance between the characters but the man on man was great <laughs> as for non-adult movies I have to say Mitchell's versus the Machines kicked ass we still watch it every once in a while um, yeah I'm sure you've probably seen it more than a few times Mitch uh, Michael <laughs> because <laughs> yeah perhaps in 2021 as well because uh, yeah that movie came out in 2021 so uh, my heart goes out to, to to all you parents who don't get to watch grown up movies and I'm very impressed you uh, Greg and Scott do get to watch as many movies as you do considering you have kids we go out of our way though to do it yeah yeah and i don't I, I, blame michael as well for not realizing it came out in 2021 because as a parent with kids yeah sometimes it's like did that come out last year did i watch it this year i don't even know anymore <laughs> yeah i Thank- literally like watching the movies i wanted to get done watching before we did this wrap-up podcast was difficult <laughs> it was it was Difficult finding the time to get it done. Yeah, uh, I was saying even before we recorded, like uh, I I had intended to watch uh, All Quiet on the Western Front and uh, try to get caught up on that one as well. And I had to choose between it and RRR basically because I did not have the time for both of them over the holidays. So Deja says Banshees, I think uh, referring to Banshees of... Inishirin, mm-hmm. Inishirin. Did I say it right? No idea. Uh, Bans- Banshees of Colin Farrell, um, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, RRR, and Barbarian. Uh, I am very glad somebody brought up Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. I also loved that movie. I really wanted Metro Cinema to do a double feature. I even tweeted at them about it or messaged them on Instagram of Mad God and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On because they're both stop motion movies, but they are opposite end of the spectrum. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is like a hopeful, like happy cry movie about a little shell guy who finds his family. Um, It was my partner Amanda's favorite movie of the year. I loved it so, so much. Um, Watch it with your moms. Watch it with your kids. It's a beautiful, wholesome movie that's also funny. That's also original. I loved it. So I'm glad someone else brought it up. We still uh, got barbarian. Little, yeah, we still got a lot of extra time here. And actually, as we've been talking, uh, people's uh, best lists uh, have been rolling in on uh, on Twitter. Uh, Robin from Cinematological says RRR, everything, everywhere, pray, barbarian, and glass onion. So all films that uh, we talked about tonight, except for barbarian. Um, Barbarian's an interesting one. Um, I was kind of uh, so so on it. Uh, I, don't know I feel you... like that one got overhyped. Yeah, for me. Yeah, it was good, 
but I think the hype did not match the the, the product I saw. Yeah, yeah, fair. I still I still very much enjoyed it. It was interesting. Um, but yeah, like uh, once you once you get th- once you get through about the second half, it's it, like it felt like it fell apart a bit for me. The, the truly the last fifteen minutes, I would have just ended it fifteen minutes sooner. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think it would have been better than the somewhat dr- literally, and it, so this isn't a spoiler. But like the literal drawn out conclusion. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> uh, my my little favorite story about Barbarian uh, is from just a few days ago. I was on Disney Plus. I was looking for a film to watch, and the top suggestions were: you should watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. You should watch <laughs> Home Alone. You should watch Muppets Christmas Carol. You should watch Barbarian. <laughs> and it was like one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> uh, Gal Rushaka or Gal Rakshabil says RRR the Fablemans. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Barbarian and Jackass Forever. Um, I, I, do you know Jackass Forever is a really funny one to me. I really felt like it was kind of just average at best, um, and like the the sort of like old men trying to reclaim their youth kind of angle of it just did not work for me. And I felt that was really unfortunate that the the um, the new people that were involved in it didn't really get a whole lot of uh, screen time, nor do we get to meet them, you know? That that was the mm. weirdest part to me. It's just like, here's a guy, and, and he's going to jump off a thing, and that's it. And, like, yeah, it's a little strange. Uh, yeah, I'm watching it tomorrow uh, with my buddy Dave. Um, <clears throat> didn't make it to theaters to see it, and for the longest time it wasn't available in Canada, or I would have watched it by now, and maybe it would have made my top bunch. But I'm, I'm watching it with a good friend of mine tomorrow, um, I was actually annoyed. I signed up for Paramount Plus, got the free trial, went to watch um, Jackass 4. It wouldn't show up, but if you search for it, it would. And then you click on it, it was like error. And I tried everything. And then their customer service team was like, yeah, it's actually not available in Canada. I'm like, well, why does it show up on the Canadian like shop page? Like, Why is it an option for me? Uh, but then we wanted to watch Top Gun Maverick, so we just got Amanda's <laughs> um, free week trial of Paramount Plus and it's working now. So I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I'm very excited. Cool. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoy it more than I did. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, Evan from Kino Lefter chimes in saying decision to leave Avatar the way of the water. Interesting. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, the Batman, and of course everything everywhere. Um, yeah. Thank you for shouting out decision to leave. Uh, Evan, uh, Robin, famous guest, uh, uh, Robin Slack, uh, of I have some notes, says Barbarian, everything, everywhere, pray the Northman and the Batman. Did you guys enjoy the Northman? Didn't, didn't see didn't it. make it to that one. No. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I didn't quite love it as much as the witch, but, um, yeah, still very good. Nice. And finally, Taylor C. chimes in with the Batman, Banshees, Avatar the Way of the Water, Triple R, and Top Gun Maverick. So Top Gun Maverick getting a lot of play with everyone. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. I, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was fine. I had, I had a lot of fun with it. It's just like, you know, it's just as as a full complete experience didn't quite get there is all yeah it I, it's one he's tom cruise is just one of those actors where i'm like i just can't take you seriously in a movie anymore i can't watch the movie without thinking about scientology <laughs> I, like, I think I, that's more or less the way that aaron <laughs> thinks about it too like she just she aside from the mission impossible series which she loves she won't watch tom cruise in anything uh which means i can't get her to watch Edge of Tomorrow, which is like one of my actually a very favorite movie, yeah. sci-fi movies of all time. It's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah frustrating. You know what I'm surprised didn't come up on our list? Well, maybe not on our list, but I am surprised no listener said it was Elvis. Oh, um, yeah. That was on a lot of best ofs that I would really like, like internet film nerds I like. And uh, yeah, I'm just surprised no one, no one said Elvis. So. I just nobody went out and saw Elvis. Yeah, I'm probably not gonna be gonna watch it. I'll be honest. Me neither. <laughs> not really. Into I, I do like biopics. Baz Luhrmann, but I just like yeah. I just yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, don't care. Don't care. Well, that concludes our best of the year. Thanks, guys. That was a good one. I got I got a couple here to to take away. 
I'm excited to watch Decision to Leave. I'm excited for Scott to watch All Quiet on the Western Front. (laughs) (laughs) And have his soul, a couple years taken off his soul like the rest of us. Oh, Anita's Um, not going to be looking forward to that one. (laughs) You can, uh, of course, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash I have some notes, at I have some notes on Twitter, at I have some notes pod on Instagram. And whatever uh, app or device or podcast you're using to listen to this, please give us a subscription or a rate or a review. If it's a got a little clicky dongle finger, give it a clickums for us, would you please? You know, we all gushed about RRR on this particular episode. If you liked that movie and other movies like it, you might like Bollywood is for Lovers. Uh, Matt Bowes and Aaron Fraser explore the world of Hindi cinema through the lens of two Canadian cinephiles. You can find Bollywood is for Lovers right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. So we kind of accidentally foreshadowed this, but we'll be taking on M. Night Shyamalan's Old next. Uh, thanks to uh, listener Dima for suggesting Old. So get your notes in. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. <laughs>